But she, we're done. We cannot win this game. No, we can still win. The game. How? Because there's still more tiles to visit. But which, we can't get everybody back to base. Two people stuck. It's mission fail. You'd like to keep it going, yeah, Evan. Sure would. But this game is over. As much as you would enjoy uh, continuing yeah. us it flipping says, through this great... No, no, no. Give me this. It's a wrap. Give me this. Don't go. Don't move anything. Evan, it's over. Put the pamphlet down. The game can also end without in- completing the entire mission. That's right. It ended. <laughs> Yes! Done! Shut the recording off! Do as much as you can, it says. (laughs) We did! (laughs) Even in... Wait, this is the best part of the game! So far, it tells you, you cannot win, but you You must must keep playing! (laughs) (laughs) Which which is not a terrible lesson in life, let's face it. awful. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilarious huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we're looking to sizzle but not get burned by the dragon of our dreams in Cinder. Next up, we command the massive wilds of Middle-earth, all from the palm of our hand, in Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-earth. And lastly, it's a struggle for survival in the inky black of space in dark and dangerous skies. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello. Ed Povolitis. Hey, Lick Game. And Mike Grenier. Oh my, that's me. We have a special guest today. It is professional comedian and board game content creator, Grant Lyon. Hey! Hey, Grant! I, you know what? That's the first time anybody's ever roared when I've been introduced. So <laughs> it won't just, be the last. Yeah, yeah I yeah, feel no, very won't. special and very welcome. You know? <laughs> Our first game up this week is Cinder, designed by Harold Michaelitis and Benjamin Walker, published by Smirk and Laughter Games in 2020. Number of players two to four, ages 14 and up. Playtime 30 to 40 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us. What's in the box? On the cover of Cinder, we find a dragon named Spitfire striking a pose as it bursts forth from the phone, smirks its swarthiest smirk, and breathes an impressive moat of flame. An elvish princess coyly looks over her shoulder at him, seeming to have already decided which way to swipe. Inside the box, you'll find 31 tarot-sized dragon cards, 12 character profile cards, 16 location cards, 18 second chance cards, 12 translucent custom dice, and 5 dry erase markers. Bam. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you to swipe right or left on this game, Evan, tell us how to be a player. (laughs) Cinder is a push-your-luck dice and card game that allows players to set up a dating profile and then thumb through potential matches, seeing if a given dragon sounds compatible. First, build your character's profile. Every character has four qualities, treasure, climate, lifestyle, and social. Of these four qualities, there are three to choose from. For example, under treasure, you could choose one of the following, hoarder, investor, or spender. Or for climate, choose hot, mild, or cold. The dragons you are looking to date come from one of four places, either the top card of the pile called the app deck, or from the three positions of the dating pool. There are also location cards. These are the places where you will take your date, 
and they offer bonuses for achieving certain roles. Read the dragon's profile on the front of the card, and if you think it would be a good match for your character, take the card and flip it over to see just how well the dragon actually compares with your character's (laughs) qualities. This is what determines the dice you get to roll. Some dice have more hearts than flames. Roll four dice up to three times per turn. Avoid the flames. If three flames come up, your date's a disaster. (laughs) If your date flames out, as a consolation, you get one of the second chance cards, which you can use later in the game for things like re-rolls and upgrading dice. Hearts is what wins the game. Accumulate 21 hearts to trigger the final round, and the winner is the dragon with the most hearts, in which you go from being Cinder to the Knight's Cinderella. Thank you. (laughs) Nicely done, Evan. Nicely done. Well, we got to play, despite uh, quarantine and things heating up in Connecticut, which is where most of us are, we got to play this live and in person at Evan's house. Mm-hmm. And that was a Ooh, lot of fun. scandalous. <laughs> Still, we are COVID compliant. We stick with the COVID rules. Definitely, our state allows for small gatherings. It's almost like a clandestine date for a dating game. Oh, it's so that's so meta. <laughs> I was dressed up just like this girl on the cover too. This princess with my tiara. I had everything. Yeah. And the ears that are and, higher than her head. Yep. Yes, I had all that. Um, so we played it live. It was tons of fun uh, with seeing everybody's pictures of the dragons laid out in front of us. What did you guys think of the art in general? It was kind of hilarious that the art styles of the different profile pictures were really different from each other. Like some were cartoony, some looked more serious. Yeah, it does have a lot of variety in the art style. I think they do a good job with the uh, with with the art giving personality to like the dragon mm-hmm. characters and stuff, right? The mm-hmm. the art yeah. fits with the profile that they have and the and the text. I think they yeah. do a good job of that. And it's I- kind of even a clue sometimes as to what their personality might be like. Totally. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> trying to find the dragon that's right for you. I feel like one of the funniest parts of the game. Is when you're like you read a profile and you're like, oh, this totally fits me, and then you <laughs> you flip it over and you're like, no, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's hot? Why is that hot? I'm cold. You were supposed yeah. to be cold. <laughs> oh yeah. I could have sworn I had matches. Pulling matches is the best part of this game. Like trying to guess if you're gonna be if you're gonna be a match is the most fun. And I was so far off on a lot of these. How? <laughs> like how is this person? Not a hoarder. Because because much like these applications, they'll put up some information that looks good, and then you'll go to meet them, and it'll turn out to be a totally different person than what they actually (laughs) put up on on the website. Oh, you mean there's a lot of liars on dating apps? Just as full of liars? How about uh, embellishers? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Instead of liars. Or they creatively leave stuff out sometimes, too. Yes, omission. Lies by omission. (laughs) I love how you can write on the cards to make your own names for your profile and choose your own compatibility matches that Mm -hmm. was a lot of fun a little bit of customization what about once you found a good match it would be weird to switch out of a good match that you already found because if you don't finish the date and get it all the way to the finish line you can date that person again so you already know how compatible they are and and, you know all the mysteries that you revealed the first time you dated them and you can Mm -hmm. still accumulate points off of them so it kind of discouraged going back into the dating pool 
Yeah, I know one of the first dragons I chose actually turned out to be a pretty good match for me. And I wound up actually making a little shift in my character later in the game, and it wound up being the perfect match for me. So I got to roll the the most favorable dice, and that's what kind of led me to, to, to an early lead in the game. But I guess that's on theme. I do agree that it is on theme, but it also takes away the most fun part of the game, right? Like the most... The most fun. You want to encourage the most fun part of the game, which is like reading through profiles and trying to pick somebody that's good for you. And when you're yeah, like, exactly. all right, I'll just keep going. I don't know. It makes it a little anticlimactic when somebody gets like a dragon that fits their, their profile right from the beginning. You're like, well, they're probably going to win the game. Like I can already <laughs> yeah. tell because they're just going to keep going back to that one and having three, you know, hearts at least every time. They do give you a way to try to snipe that date, but it costs you three hearts to swipe that date from them. Yeah. From another player. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. What if they're garbage for you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's kind of, you know. <laughs> that's definitely some people's bag in board games, too. They just, they're like there to grief others, Evan. And not that I'm going to mention hey, names what? or anything, but. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, date date blocking is a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> there's so many dragons to choose from too they went to all the trouble of making a ton of dragon cards so to just sort of find one that works and try to tweak your character toward it although it does seem like it's on theme people do change their behaviors based on who they're dating um it does seem like you're missing out on a lot for us we did a bit of um trying the uh the long shot because there was one dragon that was a two-headed dragon that's like no, there's just oh. no way this is going to work. Okay. I was just going to yeah, say that. That, that sounds like a challenge. Yes, I'm going to accept this <laughs> challenge. And sure, I didn't get burned once. I got burned <laughs> twice. Yeah. You're doing the double? Oh, You're going on the triple date? Two, yeah, triple. And then in Luke and Anne, roll two dice for each attribute for a total of eight dice. Saturn attributes give you two blue dice. Add that would give you a red and green dice. Dastardly famous maze. Challenging and fun. I've done a lot of escape rooms, but none harder or more rewarding. You're going to an escape room? Yeah, they are. Look at all these dice. What? You're going to have eight um, dice? I'm going to watch this with you. Ugh, that's horrible for you. That's all. And still three flames knocks you out? Yeah, and he's got eight dice to roll. Well, this is Those are like terrible odds. Oh, wait a minute. How come he's got two? Because he went on a double date. Uh, with, on a double date. With a double dragon. So double but your dice. But what's the benefit? Let's see. But what's the benefit? Right now. Any sparks I remove, I roll are going to get removed for no penalty. Ooh. So if I roll in sparks, they're real good. I told you the two heads was going to be trouble, Ed. I oh, warned you it was it too much work. I warned you. <laughs> I was like, I had to try. Complex Ed doesn't, Ed doesn't get your I will. Ed, sure. I warned you. You're going to tap that? I'm in. A thruple is nothing but trouble. I warned you guys. I made a massive comeback with that dragon. And I had a dragon that almost matched me perfectly already sitting there in my dating pool. <laughs> but I had to keep going back to this two-headed Because <laughs> you're rolling eight <laughs> dice <laughs> instead of four. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Plus, I was playing a character called King Torg, which if you look at the guy, you know he's going to go for the riskiest thing possible. Why did you name? Why did you pull King Torg? Every convention I've gone to for several years now, there are people playing a game called Cobalt's Ate My Baby. And there when the name King Torg is mentioned, you just hear a bunch of people in the convention hall yell out, All hail King Torg! Like almost as a reflex. Like even if you're walking down the hallway and 
you say the words King Torg, two or three people are going to yell out, all hell King Torg. <laughs> Another great thing they do with this game is all the locations you can go to on your date. The whelp reviews on these locations. <laughs> the, the, each part is a whelp get review it. of the location you're going to go. And you don't get to pick, right? You don't get to pick your location. You have to pull it randomly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like I it was kind of sad that the turn right before me King Torg's restaurant came up and I was playing King Torg. It was sort of been perfect for me. No. <laughs> but, you know. Do you think we should have had more choice in where to take the dates? I think we should have had a shopping like like we do for the uh for the characters. Yeah. That would have been great. You could pick your locations. Yeah. That would have yeah. been awesome. Or at least buy it, you know, spend a heart to grab the location you want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I like like that. you've cultivated a relationship with the waiter there, so you're going <laughs> to get better service. <laughs> Bribing the waiter for the best seat. Yep. Yeah, all that. I love that. <laughs> well, the only thing about the locations is I think that they add a little bit more randomness to your, cho- to your choices. And, and that sounds like a good thing, but honestly, the game is already so random that yeah. I was kind of feeling like the locations are just a step too far maybe for me. But they were so fun to read. Yeah, they were fun. To read. <laughs> they are fun to read, but but I do agree. I think I think this game gets caught a little bit in between the like party versus strategy, right? Like there's mm-hmm. there's too many rules for people looking for a party game, but there's too much randomness for people looking for like a strategy game. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's it's hard to. Live. I've I've played with. I've played this with like three different groups and, and everybody enjoys it, but I feel like there are people that are like, man, there's a lot of rules to remember here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. There are two different crowds. Both are slightly less satisfied than they could be. Yeah. Every gaming group needs their ed. You know, the, <laughs> the, the person who knows the most about the rules. <laughs> totally. For most games. That's you, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> You're our ed, Ed. <laughs> I'm glad to take the role of Ed. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Cinder. Ed? Where else are you going to get the great dragon? <laughs> Put your luck element fun, even if it stay, overstays is welcome just a little bit, but I'm going to swipe right to find that perfect match, so I'll dig it up. Mike? I love pressing my luck, and I did not feel burned by this cute little warm-up game. It's inclusive. Fairly fast-paced and pretty good for a mixed crowd. So swipe up. Uh, never mind. Just dig it up. <laughs> I don't know which way you're supposed to swipe. Evan? Cinder is a clever game. It's lighthearted and fun. Push-your-luck dice games are usually a hit with me, and Cinder's no different. Dig it up. Grant? Well, to me, the theme of this game is where it really shines. If you are somebody that has experience with online dating you will extra like this game and find it hilarious. Uh, I have a lot of experience online dating, so I enjoy this game. You know, to people that haven't online dated, it's probably not going to be quite as enjoyable, but I still think you should dig it up and play it because it's a silly fun time. (laughs) What do you mean? I've been out of the dating game for so long. I just celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary, and I totally love this game. It's like a peek into something you don't get to do otherwise. So a little bit of role playing in that regard. Well, uh, the concept is very clear um, and the game is not short on charm, but the pacing I found a little bit problematic and I think there are a a few too many mechanics issues for me. 
So I'm going to bury this game. Aww. If you have thoughts about Cinder, we would love to hear from you. Come chat with us on Facebook, see our unboxing on Instagram and YouTube. And remember to swipe right on your podcaster. <laughs> we've, oh, I think we've overused the swipe. Uh... Love it. <laughs> hey, guys, what is going on with us this week? We have a YouTube channel. Filled with all sorts of fun videos, unboxings with commentary and hyper unboxings as well. We also post the recordings of our live Thursday night Twitch game of the week. So watch it there. And we would love to see you at our YouTube channel. While you're there, please hit the subscribe and ring the bell for your favorite Witch Game First videos. That is at our YouTube channel. (laughs) Mike? Well, I've been all over the Instagram action lately, of course. Reaching out to all kinds of people out there, seeing what they're up to, and I found something kind of fun. I was I listened to a podcast called Roll Britannia on Spotify. Mm. That was a lot of fun. There's a a bunch of British dudes being British, and uh, <laughs> which is always a great time. Um, <laughs> it's our gauche American view. What do they do on that show? I don't know. They're British. They're they Brits being British, Brits. So. You know, whatever. <laughs> cool. A new podcast to listen to. I like it. Of course, we're mostly British when we. Role play D and D too. So yeah, we have terrible British accents. It's awesome. <laughs> Ed, what's going on on Facebook? Now, come join us on the f- Facebook channel. We're talking about our latest podcast. We're trying to go into a little deeper dive, and of course, we're integrating with Instagram now that those two companies are merging together. Aww. Yeah, and please join our Discord server where you can follow your fellow game explorers and chat about the latest gaming scoops. We got the scoops, man. We got the scoops. And Grant Lyon. Meow. Thank you for honoring my contract stipulations. (laughs) Every time my name is brought up, everyone must roar. Thank you. That should be read by writer. Yeah. (laughs) What's going on with you, Grant? You know, since this is a board gaming cot podcast i would be remiss if i didn't mention that my debut board game came out like uh, a week ago what? uh Ooh. yeah oh, awesome. i designed a, it's published by 25th century games nice um who, who yeah who has kingswood and jurassic parts and space explorers and a bunch of stuff i'm the uh i'm the co-designer of curmudgeon i uh, love which, it <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's cool. a uh, it's a silly game of insults, dummy. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's like a silly like Mad Libby insult make 'em up sort of you know ridiculous and funny, not mean game. So check that out. Oh, that uh, is cool. Yeah, totally. I think you guys would like it for sure because it's like you know it tries it tries not to be personal. It's just like more ridiculous. Everybody has a life card. Uh, and then you have some insult keywords in your hand, and then it's up to you to kind of like mad lib the words together. Oh, and it, yeah. I like it also because it like um, allows you to have some level of creativity, right? Like there's a, there's a structure and a format, but there's enough openness that you get to bring your own thoughts and and humor and stuff like that into the game. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. That would be that's my kind of game for sure. How do we get our hands on a copy of it? I can talk to uh, Chad uh, at 25th Century Games about potentially getting you a copy but um it's also you you can buy it through 25th century mm-hmm. uh you can buy it on amazon um you know if if honestly if people just put in like uh if you go to curmudgeongame.com there's like multiple ways to buy it there 
Awesome. That is awesome. What's the big lame card? What's that giant lame card I see? It's it's so that once a game, you all start with a lame. So if someone throws out a terrible or lazy insult, you can go lame. Lame. And you actually have a card to represent how lame Uh it is. That's awesome. And and then you basically get to use the cards that they use to come up with a better insult. And if the uh, table deems your insult better, you sort of steal their place in the turn oh that's awesome so it's a it's got a lot of judgment in the game then right there's like a oh for sure yeah (laughs) but but you know it's not like a rotating judge i'm a bit tired of Mm -hmm. those sort of right uh, apples to apples games yeah Yeah, so Mm -hmm. the the way it works is like you you throw down an insult someone can either like go fine you can have it take that life card or they can start a retort battle, and a retort <gasps> battle is like a oh. little bit more structured. It's like a it's like a finish the sentence or fill in the blank or something like that. So it might be like your parents haven't called you in five years because dot dot dot. Oh yes, you... <laughs> that's actually great. And all you have to do to keep a retort battle going is Uno style match the color or the symbol, and so then it gets to be like a real one-upsmanship where it's like, yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, ah! <laughs> Oh, man, I, I would love to see people playing that in a convention and other people walking past wondering what the heck is going on over there. Totally. it's <laughs> great. You know, and, and we, I, we play tested with regular people and with gamers, and I feel like, um, you know, a lot of people on both sides of the spectrum have enjoyed the game. You know, one of the things that we hear from gamers, because, you know, some gamers aren't as into party games and stuff like that, but there's enough like gamey aspects of the game, like with the lame card and things like that, that a lot of gamers have been like, Oh, this is a great last game of the night. You know, when, when I'm tired and I've, I don't want to set up anything. This is the game I want to play. Like the last game of the night. So funny. Ed was just talking about a cool down game because we just had our bonus points segment was about warm up games and Ed wanted to bring up cool down games. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think, I think the, like, my, our go to cool down game is probably Telestrations. We want people tired and drunk when they play that game. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on with you, Grant? Uh, I'm also uh, currently on the new Sci-Fi Network uh, TV show, The Movie Show, um, which is, if you like movies, uh, it's all just about movies, both classic movies, current movies, upcoming movies. It's hosted by two puppets, uh, so it's pretty silly and funny. Yeah, yeah It's kind of like, a, it's like a, a, a mock like public access uh tv show uh, where they're just all discussed movies but it's full of jokes and and i play um you know because it's it's sort of a show within a show uh, Uh where it's about the making of this public access uh show Mm -hmm. and i play a crew member um that always looks like they're about to punch somebody so (laughs) do you have a name yet angry crew guy or is it actually i'm 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 literally burly crew guy burly burly crew guy burly Burly should be his name yeah (laughs) so every every time they like go Hey, and I it like cuts over to me, and I look like I'm about to punch somebody and stuff. <laughs> when, so when is that um, end of the season part where you actually get to punch them? Oh, I do sweet, get to sweet. I do get to punch oh, them. It's sweet. pretty great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's puppets, and that's fantastic. Is that, uh-huh. Do you get to punch the puppets? 
Yes. It's I like mean, I obviously fake pup, fake pump punch the puppets because <laughs> those things are ridiculously expensive. Oh yeah. Like you. Oh. It's it's like one of those puppets like professionally made is like you know it's worth like thirty thousand dollars. Oh my god. Like, oh, oh, my. <laughs> yeah. my gosh. It's what? crazy. Oh, I know. Just replace it with a sock puppet one day and uh, pawn it off. Yeah, of seriously. Oh, uh, God. When is it on? Uh, it airs on Thursday nights at 11.30 p.m. It's like a late night sort of talk showy spoof. Yeah, Thursday nights at 11.30. Very cool, Grant. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to chat with about or are you good? I mean, if you, I, I make, uh, I make short and funny, uh, board game videos, uh, too, on my YouTube channel. It's just a uh, youtube.com slash Grant Lyon, L Y O N. And they're all like, you know, 90 seconds to two minutes, a bunch of jokes actually, <laughs> you know, tell, I'm like legitimately trying to recommend good games, but doing it through just like a funny joke way. <laughs> all right, I'll check it out. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Thank you, Grant. That's awesome. Yeah. Lots of new stuff to check out. I love it. For sure. Um, and don't forget, if you want more content from us at Which Game First, you can become a supporter and get exclusive access to our patron-only podcast. Bonus points! Bonus points! Hope you heard that. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. We are over 30 episodes, and we are getting looser with every episode, guys. <laughs> it is just it's getting a little wild over there on bonus points. <laughs> My favorite I breakfast that. foods that are. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a more casual show, definitely a behind the scenes, a loose look at who we are and what's going on and uh, and all sorts of bizarre things. Evan is dying to do Star Wars Episode Nine bonus points oh my episode. god it's gonna be the biggest <laughs> rank ever. Oh, better roll for a lot of minutes on that one it's gonna take a while just click on <laughs> just go to our website and click on become a support today thanks guys thanks everybody thank you our next game up this week is lord of the rings journeys in middle earth designed by nathan i hajek and grace holding house published by fantasy flight games in 2019 number of players one to five Ages 14 and up, playtime 60 to 120 minutes. Mike, tell us what's in the box. On the cover of Lord of the Rings, colon, Journeys into Middle-Earth, you see <laughs> just what you expect. Heroes such as Gimli, Strider, and Legolas in a pitched battle with a most unfortunate band of orcs. When you open the box to explore the realm, you discover a massive hoard of treasures, including a whopping 315 cards to represent damage, Oof. heroes, items, boons, titles, various skills, weaknesses, and terrain. There are also 22 double-sided map tiles, two double-sided battle maps, 31 plastic figures, 30 assorted terrain tokens, 12 enemy banners, 12 plastic stands, 84 assorted play tokens, and let's not forget a rulebook so dense it has a companion rules reference book. And that's what's in the box. <laughs> well, before we get lost in the minds of Moria, Evan, tell us of the one rules to rule them all. <laughs> Please, I wish there was one rule. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth is a cooperative, app-supported board game. Each player is a character in the adventuring party. Each player starts with a basic deck of action cards. 
to that deck, they will add three more cards, depending on the role that character takes. For example, Bilbo Baggins might take the Burglar role. That player will add three Burglar cards to their action deck. The app drives the game. It tells you which parts of the map to reveal. On that part of the map, there might be threat tokens, or search tokens, or exploration tokens. In order to successfully accomplish a task, that character needs to succeed at their skill check. Drawn cards from their character's deck will determine success or failure of any given task, including combat. Those are the very basic rules. The app handles most aspects of the game, such as which parts of the map get revealed, tracking the enemy statistics, and tells the overall story. And finally, always remember what Gandalf said if you choose to skip a turn. You shall not pass! <laughs> See, you really shouldn't. He was right. Yeah, he was right. Well, we played this game uh, live and in person, the massive box. And you can see our unboxing on Instagram and YouTube. Uh what did we think of the look and feel of the components and art in this game? I thought they were really awesome quality. I mean, for Fantasy Flight games, they always put a lot of stuff in their box. And this did not disappoint. As Mikey listed on, there's a treasure of stuff in there. The cards are all gorgeous to look at, lots of art on them. The minis are highly detailed. Boy, they have come a long way with these 3D printed minis now. The detail is a lot better than it was when we were oh, young man. playing these D&D games. <laughs> to say yeah. the least. I feel like, like minis in games are, are, it's it's not a game, it's a lifestyle, you yeah. know? <laughs> Mini gamers are, like, when you see something on Kickstarter that has minis in it, it, like, quadruples anything that doesn't have minis in it. I mean, million-dollar Kickstarters because the minis are cool. Now, the art is classic in its style. It's very traditional fantasy. But one thing I loved about it was that the characters, uh, the the classic characters, didn't look like they did in the movie. It didn't look like they just painted a version of the actors <laughs> who played the characters, which was great. Yeah, you didn't say, oh, that's Orlando Bloom. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. I mean, did they look like um, the characters from the book? Yeah, th- this art is closer to the book than the movie, sure. But um, I just love that it was a different... You know, a different look for Bilbo, a different look for Legolas. That was nice. Yeah, it was kind of cool that they weren't trying to sell the game through the movie. They were just trying to make it a standalone mm-hmm. thing. Right. This was not a movie-related product, clearly. Mm-hmm. Although, poor Bilbo, he's always getting typecast the burglar. <laughs> <laughs> typecast. I mean, come on. They're all little sticky-fingered thieves. <laughs> well, this game must be played with an app that accompanies it. Mm-hmm. What did we think about Mm -hmm. that app after we laid out this hex board and we're ready to play? We had to start combating through the app. What'd you think? Well, we had a couple points in which the map was getting kind of big and it's telling us, the app is telling us to add more pieces to the map. Okay, but we're not quite lining it up correctly in order to make it match what's on the app. So we found ourselves a little bit struggling with the exact placement. I wish there was... Uh, a little bit of an easier way, a faster way yeah, of making the We did the board not fix that mistake. We, apparently, we made a mistake on turn two or three. And <laughs> like, oh, Oops. okay, they're supposed to line that way. Oops. Yeah, that made every other piece after that <laughs> trickier to add to the map, too. Well, plus, we're using a, a small phone as our as our medium to look at the app instead of like an 
iPad or something bigger. Ooh, yeah. rookie mistake. Uh-huh, we yeah. blew it. <laughs> totally blew it. <laughs> My old eyes were not up to the task of uh, yeah. following on what's going on in this small screen, really? even though my phone might be technically called a phablet. Yeah, the phone was painful. Absolutely painful. Oh Don't recommend that at I was all. holding it up to my face like an old man and like trying to read this <laughs> tiny flavor <Yeah>. text. <laughs> now, what about the combat through the app? Was it... I thought we were having trouble. We were having trouble passing it around for each person to do their own combat, right? Yeah. I mean, eventually I just did all the combat for everybody. So... Yeah, that combat made more sense. Czar. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I am the combat czar. <laughs> <laughs> well, like most um, apps, it's part of learning what the UI uh, is expecting you to do. If you don't touch the right area of the screen, you have to touch here. You can't touch there. <laughs> if you touch here, I'm good. If you touch over here, I'm not so cool with it. <laughs> it's fickle a little bit, yeah. But it was nice having all the stats and stuff like hit points of the monsters and all that being taken care of right there on the screen. And it had kind of like exciting stuff to look at, too. So that was pretty cool. Did it have music, the app? It had sound effects for sure. And uh, um, I think what it, one thing the app does very well is it hides information mm-hmm. from you. Like normally in, in, in a board game like this, in an adventure, whoever's setting it up is going to know what pieces are going into it because you have to follow a script. And you can see, oh, well, I'm going to need this part next. And I can see right on the page, I'm going to need these other things right here because they're, they're printed on the pages here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with the app, all that stuff is hidden to you. So you only know what's coming up next when the computer decides to show you what's up yeah. next. You do not find anything of interest. I search again. What kind of game? What kind of game even has that as an option? <laughs> what, you do Every not game? find anything of interest. Except something was glimmering, but uh... something glimmered. But eh, it seems like it just I, was I, a I failed my uh, That's my such skill a check. Great way to get people interested in the game. He failed. <laughs> I failed my skill check. What failing a skill check? Uh, just a pile of rocks here, guys. Ugh. I don't know how I feel about giving computers that kind of control. <laughs> you know? They're already running my life. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I they go from it. revealing maps to uh, you know blowing up the world like in oh. no time at all. Yeah, I want I don't want a computer playing a a war battle game and learning things <laughs> for the future. <laughs> yeah, right. It sends it to the hive mind, and it's like this is how they reacted to this situation in the uh-huh. future. Ugh. Okay, now you're scaring me. I didn't even think that far into it. Darn yeah. it! It's actually a massive data. Collection farm. Changing my program. Changing my dig up and bury right now (laughs) in light of this new information. (laughs) (laughs) One thing about the exploring the map, though, is there seems to be a lot of incentive to stay together because a lot of abilities work well when you're next to your friend. Yeah. But um, you get rewards for spreading out and exploring the map as quickly as possible. (laughs) So that tends to spread everybody out, making them on their own. So there's a little bit of a, a push pull there where it's like, Hey, you're, you're way over there on your own, Mr. Explorer. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good point, because what if we are spread out and my character happens to find a, a magic item or something that can help the party in some of these other encounters that we're going to be having to deal with, you know? So I think there there's potentially some advantages there to going on the spread out. There's a little push-pull yeah, there. I think both ways have, an, you know, advantages in certain situations, and it's hard to tell when it's going to be to your advantage to spread out. Yeah, the pacing is challenging, though. I felt like once mm. we were spread out, it was taking forever to get back together. 
<laughs> yeah, it slowed things down considerably. It really did. Well, we put like 12 monsters on the board at once, and you were in a position on the board where all of them moved towards your character. So like, <laughs> you're playing Strider, and you're out there like defending yourself against three wargs or some crazy like, you know, it was, it was nuts. <laughs> uh, could you use help over here? Help, help. <laughs> hey, look at look at this rose bush I found. Yeah, hey. I'm playing Legolas, just, <laughs> just trotting through the country. Like, oh, what's this? What's that? Every time I flip over a new rock, the game triggers monsters all over the whole board. So, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Strider will clean yeah. it up. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury the Lord of the Rings journeys in Middle Earth. Mike? Despite a bit of a learning curve and how tiny my phone was for this app, there's a lot of this version of Middle-Earth I would like to explore. So, dig it up. Evan? Truth be told, I'm not a huge fan of app-based games. Because we all look at computer screens enough in our life, and I think board gaming is supposed to be an escape from that. As far as this game goes, it's okay, but it's only a game that I think Lord of the Rings fans would play, and only a fraction of those would actually sit down for this long-form adventure. So since I can't recommend it to anyone beyond that specific demographic, I'm going to bury it. Ed? I was drawn into the Middle Earth, and I'd like to explore more so I can build on the campaign. So I'm going to dig this up for another adventure with Bilbo and his friends! (laughs) (laughs) And his merry band. Grant? I agree with Evan that I uh, try to avoid app games most of the time because I spend enough time of my life on computer screens. Also, a hard hard thing for me with a game like this is like setup time because I'm mostly playing with other comedians and they're just doing jokes and bits the whole time and I can't focus <laughs> if it's a long setup time. And I'm like, everybody shut up for five minutes, okay? I'm trying to get through this. Listen to the rules here. Oh my God. You should see us. <laughs> oh, Same thing. Evan yeah. is our guy oh, who yeah. disrupts the rules. You know yeah, it's Ed's like, pain. I'm a, di- I'm a disruptor. Yeah. It's like everybody's hilarious. I get it. Just don't be hilarious for five minutes. Just be quiet for five minutes, okay? You can do all the jokes you want after I'm done setting up. Uh, I love it. I love we, it. We we feel that because that's us. Yeah. <laughs> Poor yeah. Ed. <laughs> uh, well, that's why that's why I'm part deaf. I can do the setup without having to listen yeah. to going on. Just yeah. Turn his hearing aid off, and that's, that's it. Yeah, that's perfect. Advantage. <laughs> Advantage. Quite frankly, I can't get people the same group of people together to play a campaign game, so I avoid mm-hmm. campaign mm-hmm. games because. It's like every time I'm going to have to teach it to different people and like oh, be like, okay, yeah. this is where... No, it's not worth it, so I'm burying it. <laughs> you know, I had the same problem with this game that I had with Lords of Waterdeep. They both feel like a D&D game with missing parts. So I would rather play D&D than this elaborate setup on a almost D&D game. So I'm going to have to bury it. If you have thoughts about Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-Earth, let us know. We would love to hear from you on Facebook, and you can check out all our fun pics and vids on Instagram. Our last game up this week is Dark and Dangerous Skies, designed by Jim Decove, published by Family Pastimes in 2005, number of players 2 to 4, ages 5 and up. Playtime, 30 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. 
You might think the cover of this box is actually the back of the box because there's a picture of a game in progress on the right half and the pitch for the game on the left, including the story, a description of gameplay, and even some comments from the designer. But when you flip it over to see the front, all you see is a blank, empty, white void. They didn't even <laughs> bother to make it black. And it's a space game! Sorry. <laughs> Inside this galactic anomaly, you'll find a playboard, a generic six-sided die, four explorer craft, four astronaut discs, ten equipment chits, 19 danger chits, and 12 information tokens. And that's what's in the box. Okay, well, before we tell you if this game should be photon torpedoed, Evan, load the rules and fire at will. Dark and Dangerous Skies is a cooperative game in which players explore space (laughs) to find a suitable planet for colonization, as well as bringing back food and energy sources for use back on Earth. For the basic rules, each player starts with their own exploration ship and one special tool. There are five planets to explore, each planet with its own stack of chits. Land on the planet to reveal a chit. The chit you turn over might be a resource you need to bring back to Earth, or more likely, the chit reveals something that limits the player's access to the planet. Most players have only three clear paths to enter or exit any planet. If these chits reveal space debris... They clog up one of the paths to exploration, and in some cases, they can leave players stranded on the planet with no way to escape. Right, Ed? Uh, yep. (laughs) Use your special tools wisely. They only have one use, and they are discarded, or dischipped, in this case. If everyone successfully makes it back to Earth's space station with all the resources, the mission is a success. But don't forget, like the title of this game tells us, Dark and dangerous skies. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, right. Let's review this thing. They're dark and dangerous. (laughs) Okay. All right, guys. Can we start with the title? Yeah, wait. Hang on. Oh, the title, which is, you know, by far the best part of this game. (laughs) Really? Okay. By far the best part. There we go. Dark and dangerous skies. All right. Let's just stick to this game. Oh, and by the way, Grant, feel free to ask any questions you want. You didn't didn't get to have have the full experience of playing this one. Oh, boy. All right, right. or seeing it. Yeah. All right. So let's just start with this unique style of board game design where (laughs) they put the first three paragraphs of the rule book on the cover. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) that's a first. I've never seen that before. Family Pastimes Games, which is a company that's still producing games to this day, specializes in cooperative games. Oh, yeah. They have a little doodad title for each one, a space cooperative game, a three-in-one cooperative game, a whatever cooperative game. So that's right there on the cover with a wall of text on one side of the cover and on the other side, just this board. Now, what'd you guys think of the play board? <laughs> um, <sighs> it was dark and not dangerous. <laughs> yeah. it, no, it was both dark and dangerous because it was a single fold board that barely functioned. And have we ever <laughs> seen so much useless empty blank space on a board oh, before? Man. I think this game might win that award. Yeah. Or maybe we're trying to give you the theme there. The space is mostly a void. Yeah. Yeah. So make you feel like you're in space, Grant. So is that why they have the mission codes typed onto the empty space section? 
Also, the part where there's a big designer credit sitting there floating in space, yeah. where it says "Designed by Jim Deco" right on the <laughs> right space on the section board. of the board. Wow! You know what? Jim needs his credit. That's okay. right. Give this man so. his due. We're going to be giving Jim his credit. We yeah. got a lot to talk about. With you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so much negative space on this board, and a lot of net. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really what stood out to me is now, the negative now, space. Now, what about the components? Um, the art on the components were about as free stock art as you could get. Total <laughs> clip art. And it was expanded so big that it was pixelated. <laughs> All on the small token, <laughs> mind you. So pixelated on something the size of a little bit bigger than a stamp. Yeah, less than an inch square. And it was still pixelated. And everybody's ship looked exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. the the ship that you got was a little card that went in front of you, and it was the same piece of clip art for everybody, and I couldn't figure it out. It was a guy <laughs> inside of a little like space station, very pixelated, but there was a fire behind him inside, <laughs> inside the capsule with him. That's yeah. where the chimney is and the, the hearth. And the, you know, it's a steampunk ship. Warm. I mean, you know. You have to keep warm. I got to shovel coal into the into the steam furnace oh, to keep man. the ship moving. I was really worried about him. Yeah, well, how about time. this, Celeste? I'll take it an extra step further. There's four little marks in the corners of uh, of that spaceship in which you're supposed to put your resources that you collect, but they're small. They're about half the size of the chit itself. Yeah. So it just it has an outline. Put your chit here, but it's like twice as large. So it's like he didn't blow it up enough or if he blew it up anymore it would be way too pixelated even beyond what it already was you think you think that level of thought went into it where he decided to like you think it was a mistake or you think he just didn't think about it at all i i think i think he made a lot of compromises here <laughs> mike i gotta say uh-huh. I, i'm gonna get into it now i was gonna wait a little while uh-huh. before when we get into the mechanics but <laughs> this jim d cove and family pastime games have designed over a hundred board games in the last 30 to 40 years. And they all look very similar to this with a wall of text next to a picture of the board on the cover and the same type of flat components that are just basically cardboard chit cutouts. At this point, I have got to believe it's deliberate. It is a choice. And you find something that works, you keep coming back to it. All <laughs> yeah, right? that's right. I mean, he uh-huh. clearly felt he did something correct the very first game he designed uh-huh. and then made no modifications for the following hundred plus games that, that succeeded them after in the following 30 he years. He sold well over a hundred copies of this, so obviously <laughs> something is working. He's the most consistent game designer in history and prolific, oh. perhaps. Well, here's the thing. He's a Canadian designer, right? So I think... I think everybody who play tested the game was just extra polite and like, this is a great game. You should publish it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to say that the, the family pastimes logo on this game from 2005, not 1975, 2005 <laughs> was clearly. What? 2005? Yeah. yeah. Actually. Yes. Yeah. This game was oh, actually from 2005. I thought it was from the 70s. <laughs> it looks like it. The Family Pastimes logo on this cover is clearly cut out with scissors. It's that uneven (laughs) around the edges. It's that rough. (laughs) Oh, man. It's taped on. Everything's taped on to the box cover. (laughs) No, it's not. It's printed. It's deliberately printed with this. I mean, it's just 
It has to be a choice. See, but again, I think this I, I think this might be right. He developed a game in whenever, 1978, 1981, whatever game one was of his series. And he stuck to it and still used that production process right up through 2018 13. or whatever yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. And he never changed. No. So he's using this 1980 level of of, of game building. To mo- in modern times and, it's remarkable and also the mechanics let's talk about oh it they are my also god <laughs> problematic okay problematic to say the least if that's fair so so yeah. go ahead mike oh go my god I, I my head's exploding with problems here but like uh, <laughs> the first one is you're exploring these different five planets for the resources that you need, right? So you That's go to the plan- only thing on the whole board is those five planets and some dotted lines going to and from them. Yep, that's it. The whole board. And other than that, it's blank. But when you get to the planet, there's a stack of chits and you're going to – and you randomly go to the planet, first of all. You don't say, I want to go to Mars 2 or whatever and, and go there. No, you roll a die. You roll and, a D6. Yeah, roll yeah. – oh, That might actually be an interesting I mean, that choice. would be fun, right, to actually choose. But no, you roll <laughs> a choice. D6, a standard crappy D6. And you go to whatever planet it tells you go to, unless you roll a six and then you can choose. But um, you go to that planet and you flip one chit on the top. Now, you're exploring space, right? And you know there's more to see on this planet. But instead, on your next turn, instead of staying on the planet where you're already at and exploring it more, you say, you know, I'm going to go to Mars 4 instead this time. And you roll randomly. And every turn you're doing that. And you're clogging up your lanes. To get there. And I'm going to talk about the lanes in a second. I think Ed was delighted when he finally got trapped on a planet and could stop playing. <laughs> that was the highlight for Ed, probably. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, And then I started reading the box. And then I said, wait, there's three games here? Oh, uh, what the hell are we playing here of the three? We played the introduction level, the basic level intro for ages five to seven. Yeah. Oh, yep. so, okay, that explains a lot. So that's funny. The different levels of the game are for different, like, ages of people so let me talk about the lanes here okay they were saying you try you have lanes that get clogged up between planets all right first thing i learned about space the, f- the very first thing i learned about space is that it's three-dimensional so these lanes between planets <laughs> i mean how slow down Einstein. <laughs> i'm just saying can't you go around these obstacles to get to the planets like over no. them under them around the sides like how big are these things? <laughs> but yet they still leave two other lanes Mike, available for you to travel away from Mike, the planet. Have you seen your spaceship? I mean, how uh, maneuverable do you think that I thing mean, is? <laughs> it still flies in space, though, right? I mean, as well, as steampunk it, as it looks. Well, you would think so, but it's pre-programmed with only three options. And if all three options are, <laughs> are um, dangerous... You can't fly. It only has so instead of navigating, you just push button one, two, or three on your ship. Yep, <laughs> that's the way I explain it. Not to mention the spaceship, quote unquote, looks like a lunar lander. It doesn't look like a spaceship. Are yeah. you? Are you? Is this a is this a lander that's flying out from that blue disc at the bottom of the board that's supposed to be everybody's spaceship? Yeah, it's is like that a space what space station down at the bottom, right? Yeah, which, by the way, looks like a chunk of asphalt. That's the picture. (laughs) It is. It's one of the worst graphics I've ever seen in a game anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. 
these planets are just circles, right? That are what from a textbook from 1965, the way they imagined Jupiter would look. <laughs> Basically. But, uh, you know, the point of the game is, to co- okay, it's a cooperative game. So there, there is at least everybody playing all at the same time. So it has that going for it. And that is a feature I like in games. I like cooperative games. I like when everyone's involved in every turn because Ed can give me advice on what I should be doing on which, on how I should achieve my goal and Celeste to Mike and so forth. So I like, I can be yelling at everybody during the game to do things my way. (laughs) So even though Ed, Ed wound up getting stranded on a planet that didn't really pull him out of the game. He's still allowed to give us advice and talk to us about what should be happening. How, However, there's a rule. Yes. If you read the rules, the mission fails if anyone gets trapped on a planet. However, the rules also say you don't stop playing. You continue <laughs> until you can play till you can't play anymore. Yeah. Even though there's <laughs> no surprises or nothing you could do that would possibly get that person unstranded from the planet. That has Correct. got no, to be stuck. my favorite rule anyway. <laughs> You are so screwed. You cannot win this game, but you must keep playing according That's to the right. rules. There's no giving up in space. That's Come right. right. <laughs> That's right. You may want to quit, but you can't. No surrender in space. <laughs> Which is, I mean, is that not the heart of the cooperative game spirit? I mean, come on. Let's get let's get existential here. Oh, no, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're doomed, but we'll click go doomed forever. Uh, the more doomed. Yeah. Like, why don't the other Let's people invest just more live? time in this assured destruction yeah. or assured failure? Oh man, it's, it's like that movie moment where there's like one guy's about to fall and and he cuts the rope, so he's the only one that falls. But, it, <laughs> but in this game, it's like, no, I'm never cutting the rope. I'm pulling you all down with me. <laughs> yes, yes. Or even if you cut the rope, instead of climbing back up, you just dangle there until your arm gives out. Yeah. We will all succeed together or we will all fail together. Uh, but either way, we'll keep playing. That's right. Yeah. Keep playing until the end. Now, there are tons, like we said, of other games that Family Pastimes did. And they're similar. Eerily okay, in, similar. With boards and chits and things like that. I don't know about the mechanics, but I will say that my very favorite of these pastime games that I searched through and explored on their website, which is a pretty big website, is Shh, Mom's Asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we have to get a copy of that now. Ages five to eight, two to six players. Now, this is a picture on the cover. Of course, the wall of text, the traditional wall of text, the Mm -hmm. traditional picture of the game board, which is, in this case, five squares. That are colored in neutral tones between mm-hmm. beige and light beige and pinkish. Yeah. <laughs> and but in the middle of the game board, in the middle of the cover is mom. She's a short haired mom who's asleep delightfully on a pillow and you don't want to wake her up. Is and that all the same the obstacles spot? Oh, sorry, that yeah. could wake her up. The dog barking uh, is a chit. The setting of the table <laughs> oh, is a God. chit. It's the same game, right? I mean, she's sleeping in the middle of the board. Yeah. And you have several paths to travel between mom and the refrigerator or something. I think there's supposed to be locations in the house. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, it is a cooperative game. Of course. I mean, that kind of is par for the course for this guy, right? (laughs) That's it. 
Didn't he copyright a cooperative board game? Well, yes. tr- trademark. Trademark. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he trademarked specifically the term three in one cooperative game, and that's trademark. <sighs> wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The- now, in uh, granted, I am not familiar with how trademark laws work in Canada because that's where he's based. Maybe that is something you have to do in order to be able to. I I don't know. Um, it's so, definitely there is a big seal made in Canada on the front, so he definitely wants you to know that, and it's in French and English. And uh, the one credit I can give him here is that he didn't put his own gold seal of approval. Excellence. Oh, what was that? Family pastimes seal of approval. <laughs> Grant, we played a game what last week or the week before that gave itself. Mm-hmm. A seal of excellence. On the <laughs> Look, I appreciate the sheer confidence of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. All it's of our podcast statement. episodes have our own which game for seal of excellence on them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, this game. So you're saying the back is literally just completely white, blank, white. Yeah. Yes. You know, I do respect like people that just have this like high level of audacity where it's like can you imagine that meeting where they're like we got to put all of the text on the front and, and someone's like well we also have the back it's like no 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 no. people don't flip over games are you crazy everything's got to be over on the front it's kind of it's kind of hard to read here i don't care they're gonna read it and they're gonna like it i mean it saves the consumer a step i mean before I mean, think of that per consumer that has yeah. to look at the cover box and then have to flip it you know. over to find out more. I mean, skip that step. You get everything you need just holding the box up and looking See, at the now, cover. Ed, you were nice. About, you you made Jim be thoughtful there. But I'm telling you, Grant, you're painting Jim as quite the tyrant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a cock. There's a fire in the cockpit. I don't care. Print it. You know? <laughs> we don't have time for this. I have 129 more games to put out this yeah. year. <laughs> you, this year alone. Jim, do you know anything about space? No, and I don't want to know. Make a game. <laughs> <laughs> He's James Kahn from Elf. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're missing the back two pages. Yeah, but they're never going to notice. They're kids. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows about space. They'll believe us. You know? <laughs> okay, explorers. Oh, it boy. is time, spoiler, <laughs> to dig up or bury dark and dangerous skies. Uh, Evan? Dark and Dangerous Skies. Okay, first, why is that the title? No <laughs> idea. Uh, I, I, Look, I get what the game designer was going for here. I actually do. But it's just too thin in all areas. Looks, feel, theme, replayability. It, it lacks all over the place, and it's not a game experience that you'll want to come back to ever. Bury it. <laughs> Mike? This game is total nonsense. It made me want to shout so loud into space that everyone could hear me scream. Bury it in the <laughs> void. Wow. Ed? You know, that pitch sounded very interesting. I wanted to play that game in the very first sentence that Evan read. This was not it, <laughs> so I'm going to bury it. Yeah. I mean, Grant, you don't have to dig up or bury because you didn't play it, but if you have something to say... <laughs> oh, oh, I do. Yeah, full disclosure... <laughs> I have not played this before, but 
sometimes things are so bad they're good and i gotta tell you <laughs> you making fun of it makes me want to try it hey. a, it's a real screw you to lord of the rings journeys in the middle earth because i am digging this up baby yes yes, yes. Wow. <laughs> love it we should just autograph it for you and send it to you for free just for being yeah. <laughs> All right, like I said before, um, despite Grant's glowing review, uh, <laughs> it, this this particular game has a great title and terrible everything else. I mean, at least if you're going to limit my choices this bad, give me two dice to roll, please. So bury <laughs> it. All right, if you have thoughts about Dark and Dangerous Skies, let us know. We would love to hear from you on Facebook. Grant Lyon, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I had a great time too. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> that brings us to the end of our show. If you would like more perks and content from us, just go to our website, click on Become a Supporter Today, and you will get access to our patron-only podcast. Bonus points! Bonus points! And if you get a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, or a review on any a podcaster, uh, social media, uh, give us a shout out down at your dog groomers at the local salon, wherever you are. It really helps us grow. Join our chat on our Discord server. Patrons get exclusive access to channels. And happy gaming, explorers! The skies are dark, the skies are dangerous, and it has nothing to do with anything. You know, you really don't want to get burned by dragon, just saying. Um, how do I uh, get a date with Trogdor, the Burninator? <laughs> <laughs>